Good morning and Merry, Merry Christmas, every single one of you. I pray that this is the most precious time of the year for you and that you are enjoying every moment of it. I was um, wondering what we would talk about today, uh, being that it's Christmas, and I thought we would move away from Joshua for this, this day, and I thought what we would do is take a look at um, the very essence of who Jesus Christ is. Have you and I, have we really seen him? Sometimes we can get into the hustle and the bustle of this time of the year and kind of miss the very essence of what this is all about. Miss the very essence of the, the baby, the child that was born in the manger some 2,000 plus years ago. And we can kind of rush through this time and, 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 and do everything that we need to do around the house and do everything we need to do with family and friends, but just miss the very essence of who he is. And so I want you to stop with me for a moment, if we can, this next oh half an hour or so, and just kind of um, take maybe a deep breath and say, have we seen him really? Have we taken a look at the very essence of who he is? And I've had um, a, a pretty good chance because um, for the last couple of weeks, uh, my wife has been gone, so I'm home alone. That's, not, that's a very dangerous place to, to leave me, you know. And um, one of the things I've noticed around our neighborhood, down there's a, a person that has their, their big home, and, and it's lit. And, and, he, and, he, and he doesn't just light it. He lights it about 4.30, 5 o'clock in the, in the evening, just before it starts to get dark. And I mean every tree, everything is lit. And it's lit till 5 o'clock in the morning. I, I wouldn't be able to afford his electrical bill. And so I, um, I was sitting there and I was noticing it and I grabbed a, a card and I wrote a card to him and uh, just don't know who he is, but thought I'd thank him for making the neighborhood so pretty. So I go down and uh, I have a, a date. My, my grandson is in a school play. You can't miss those. Those are just priceless. And, um, and it, it was priceless. I, I was... I can't get off and tell you about it, but it was made me laugh so much. And uh, I will tell you this one thing. <laughs> Let me do tell you this one thing. <laughs> when when the, when the three-year-olds came in, and and it's priceless. It's priceless. They're all dressed up to the max. This one little girl had on a red velvet dress. She looked like Mrs. Santa Claus, you know. And she comes walking down. And they have at the school there is where they have the church, and so they have these three screens right there. So I guess you can see the versus I don't know, or the pastor, whatever. And they have a picture of them coming in, and she spots herself. You couldn't miss her with that dress. So the whole performance, the screens are back here, and they're all, all of us are out there. She's like this. <laughs> She's dancing and watching. Priceless. You couldn't beat it. You couldn't beat it. And what was really cool is the teachers didn't try to really correct it that much. She turned around enough that her parents, I think, got a picture of her and all of that. <laughs> but for those of us that really loved that kind of stuff, it was priceless. She was the star of the whole thing. Anyways, I was going down to see them and get a bite to eat with them. And, and, uh, and so I, I go to drop this card off and I can find no mailbox. And I'm looking and looking, and I was looking so engrossed, and I didn't notice the door open to the gate. The, and it startled me, and there was a man there, and I said, oh, uh, I said, please excuse me. I said, I've, I've come to give you a card. I said, are you the owner? And he says, oh, no, no, no. 
I said, oh, I said, well, do you know where I can place the card? And he says, well, here. And he presses the bell. He says, ask the owner. I said, don't do that. I, I don't want to talk to him. I don't know him. And all of a sudden I hear, hello. And I said, well, I said, uh, you don't know me. And um, I've just, uh, I'm just a neighbor. And uh, I want you to know that I appreciate the trouble that you go through every year to make this place more beautiful. And, 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 and you know, um, that's, uh, th- I don't normally do something like that. Um, but I think that's what this season's all about. I think it's stopping long enough to see the beauty of who our Savior is and letting other people that maybe you wouldn't ever say thank you to or maybe you would never say I love you to, to let them know what you think of them and how much you do love and appreciate them. And so we're going to take a look at a few selected places in Scripture. We'll start off with Matthew. We're going to look at the four Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. If you were to look through the Bible, and I know you do, I know how much you and I care about the Word of God here at this church, you'd see that there is a mention of Jesus Christ and His birth in three of the four Gospels. In Matthew, in Luke, and in John, but not in Mark. In the book of John, as a matter of fact, it says in the beginning, John uh, John 1.1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was what? God. Fourteen verses later, verse 14, it says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. We beheld His glory, that John writes, glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and full of truth. Now, if you're paying attention at all, you might ask, why no mention of His birth in the book of Mark? Let's get to that. But first, let's, let's see what is mentioned of Jesus Christ concerning the birth of Him and how He so impacted this world that you and I live, even to this day, some 2,000 years later. Let's look first at Matthew. Matthew chapter 1. Let's read the account of the birth of Jesus Christ. Verse 18, it says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. When His mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, Before they came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man, not wanting to disgrace her, desired to put her away secretly. Verse 20, But when he had considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, For that which has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. For it is he who will save his people from their sins. Verse 22 says, Now all of this took place in what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, so it might be fulfilled, saying, Behold, verse 23, The virgin shall be with a child. She shall bear a son. They shall call his name Emmanuel, which translates to mean God with us. 
Joseph arose from his sleep and did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, took her as his wife and kept her a virgin until she gave birth to a son and he called his name Jesus. It's really interesting to see that Joseph was obedient to that command. You see, it wouldn't be strange at all uh, if Joseph being a righteous man, was betrothed to a woman that he had never had a relationship with. And all of a sudden she's pregnant. And so he would want to put her away discreetly, with not embarrassing her or her family, but would certainly would not want to marry her. And yet the angel says, Don't fear, Joseph. Don't fear. That which is conceived within Mary is of the Holy Spirit. And I just love verse 24. Joseph arose from his sleep and did as the angel commanded him. Now let's take a look, please, at Luke. Matthew, Mark, and then Luke. Let's read the account in Luke chapter 1 and chapter 2 of the birth of Jesus Christ. And what you're going to note is the obedience of Mary. Starting with verse 26, let's read the verse 30, 38. It says, Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth. He was sent, it says in verse 27, to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the descendants of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And coming in, he said to her, Hail, favored one, the Lord is with you. It says in verse 29, She was greatly troubled at this statement. She kept pondering what kind of salutation this might be. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son. You shall name him Jesus. He will be great. He will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will have no end Verse 34, Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the holy offspring shall be called the Son of God. Behold, even your relative Elizabeth has also conceived a son in her old age, and she who has, was called barren is now in her sixth month. It says in verse 37, nothing, nothing, nothing will be impossible with God. And so listen to Mary's response in verse 38. Mary said, Behold, the bond slave of the Lord, be it done to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Chapter 2, verse 1. Now, it came about in those days that a decree was sent out from Caesar Augustus that a census be taken of all the inhabited earth. This was the first census taken while Quinarius was governor of Syria. And all were proceeding to register for the census, everyone to his own city. Verse 4, Therefore Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and family of David, 
in order to register along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was, was with child. It came about that while they were there, the days were completed for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him in cloth. She laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the end. And in the same region there were some shepherds staying out in the field and keeping watch over their flock by night. Verse 9 tells us, an, an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone all around them. They were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of a great joy which shall be for all the people. For today, in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly there appeared with, it, with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. It came about when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds began saying to one another, Let's go straight to Bethlehem then. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And so it says in verse 16, They came in haste and found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he laid in the manger. And when they saw this, they made known the statement which had been told to them about this child. And all who heard it wondered at the things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary, treasuring up all these things, pondered them in her heart. The shepherds went back, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen. All that they had heard and seen, just as had been told them. And so I entitled this message, if you don't mind, Have We Seen Jesus Christ? Let's pray. Father, please, let us not get so entangled in all that is going around in this world in which we live, the pace is becoming more and more quick, Father. Let us take a breath, slow down, and take a good look at Your Son. Let us see Him, Father, as Mary did. Let us see Him as Joseph did. Let us see Him, Father, as the shepherds, as they were glorifying You because of what has taken place. May we not have moved so far away from that wonderful, wonderful moment that we become hardened to what has just taken place. The birth of Emmanuel, God with us, the Savior the Savior of the world came to earth as a baby being placed in the manger. May we see Him, Father. I pray that You would move me aside. Let us not see anyone else. Let us hear from Your heart so that You might move us into that place where only You can take us, Father. That place of great peace and joy and comfort. 
And so, Father, hide the one that gives the message behind the glorious words that we just read concerning your Son. It's in his name, Father, the name of Jesus Christ, whom you gave to this world, that we pray. Amen. Have you ever thought, why were the four Gospels written? I mean, there was a purpose, you know. It'll give us a, a clue as to why the birth of Jesus Christ is not mentioned in the book of Mark. You might want to mark this down. The book of Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, was written for a purpose. It was written to the Jewish person to see Jesus Christ as their king. That's why it was very important that we know in the book of Matthew there is a very extensive lineage of, of the genealogy of, of Jesus Christ. It's important to know from what line a king comes from. On the other hand, the book of Mark was written to the Romans to see Jesus Christ as a servant. Therefore, it's not important where, it's not important how, it's not important why a servant was born. And so there was no need for the genealogy of Jesus Christ in the book of Mark. The book of Luke, though, was written to the Greek. It was written to see Jesus Christ as a man. It is good to know from what family a man would come from. Whereas John, as we've already stated, John was written to the whole world. John was written to everyone so as they might see Jesus Christ as God, a very God. Forever He has been with us. Therefore, we see why it is written of Him in John chapter 1 and verse 1. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Fourteen verses later, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. The Word became a baby, born in the manger. And they said, we saw, we saw, we saw His glory. Glory is of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and full of truth. You see, the most amazing event in the history of this world took place some 2,000 plus years ago. When God chose to come to earth to dwell among us in a place called Bethlehem. And so the question I ask, because it's so important to understand that, like those who saw Jesus Christ, have you and I stopped long enough to see Him? I mean to see Him in all of His glory. You see, Christianity, in its purest form, what you and I have entrusted to believe in, if you've trusted in Jesus Christ, Christianity is not cathedrals. It's not glorious buildings. It's not stained glass windows, nor is it statues. In its purest form, Christianity is nothing more and nothing less than seeing Jesus Christ as clearly and as purely as you can possibly see Him. Because once you truly see Him, I mean truly see Him for who He is, then you will understand why so many people choose to believe in Him. 
to give up their lives for Him. You know, some people can spend a lifetime near something so amazingly beautiful and yet never really see it. When I wrote that sentence down, I I thought, you know, probably the, the greatest glimpse that I ever saw of the glory and magnitude of God, in my opinion, was in Kansas. I was speaking at a conference in Kansas. I had a rental car, and Kay was with me, but she was staying back at the motel that we were in. And as I was driving from that motel to go and speak, I looked in my rearview mirror and I saw, I think I've told you this before. I looked in my rearview mirror and I saw something that overwhelmed me. I couldn't believe what I thought I saw. I kept looking back in my rearview mirror. And so I pulled off the, the highway. And I parked my car and I got out and I looked back there. And behind me was this mountain. I mean mountain of, of cloud. It was It was absolutely, utterly glorious. You couldn't... I've never seen anything more purely white, more purely just... ah, It was hard to explain. If there is a gate into heaven, I would expect it to look like that. And through the clouds, there was some places where it was broken and the sun was shining through and rays were just shining down upon the ground. And I I stood there, you know, no surprise. I started to cry. I I just, you know, I just, I just got overwhelmed by the presence of God. So I get in my car, and I go, and I said, when I've just opened up to speak to these people, don't hardly know them. I don't like going to places where people don't know me so good because they they think I'm weird. Here, <laughs> See, here you know I'm weird. I don't have to, I have no problem with that. I just don't want people to think I'm weird. <laughs> it's the truth, what I just told you is the truth. And, and so I go to them, and I say, did you see, did you see when you drove here tonight the clouds? Nobody. Nobody. I said, don't live here and miss the beauty of God that is all around you. Sometimes we can spend a lifetime near something and never really see it. Unless we take the time to focus in on it. Unless we take the time to make it a part of our lives. Think about it. Just because someone has witnesses, witnessed a beautiful rainbow or a cloud doesn't mean that we've ever really seen its majesty. More importantly, gentlemen, I, for those of us who are married, a husband can spend a lifetime with his wife and never really pause to see her soul. You know, the rub of seeing Jesus Christ is is this. A a person can think because maybe they're as good as gold. You know, they don't think they've done anything wrong. and, And they think, well, yeah, I've seen him. But the fact of the matter is, you just can't see the Son of God because you're a good person. Being honest, being moral, being religious doesn't necessarily mean we'll see the baby born in the manger. No, no. We we may see what others see in him. We may hear what others say he has said. But until we see for ourselves, until we hear for ourselves, we will truly miss seeing him if we're not careful. 
as John says in 1 John, not the gospel, in the epistle, in 1 John chapter 1, verses 1, 2, 3, and 4, about seeing Jesus Christ, he says, What was from the beginning, what we have heard and what we have seen with our own eyes, what we have looked at, what we have touched with our hands concerning the word of life, and the life was manifested, and he says, And we have seen him. We have seen Him and we testify. And we proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us. What we have seen and what we have heard, we proclaim to you. And so I ask you this Christmas season to think, have we stopped long enough to truly see Him? To see Him in all of His glory, to see that baby that was born in the manger. Those who first did were never the same. Let me give you some examples. You remember Doubting Thomas? I mean, most people have heard of Doubting Thomas. Thomas was not there when Jesus Christ appeared to disciples. When, When Thomas came, they started to say to him, Thomas, 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 we have seen the Lord. And you remember what he said? Ah. Unless I see him with my own eyes. No, no, no. Unless I put my hands in the, in the wound, unless I put my hand in his side, I just won't believe. And we know the story. Jesus Christ appeared when Thomas was there. and He said, look, Thomas, look. Put your fingers in my wrist. Put your hand in my side. And be not a doubter, but be a believer. And Thomas uttered these words, My Lord and my God. Mary Magdalene, she looked upon Jesus Christ. She looked into His eyes and told everyone who would listen to her, I have seen, I have seen the Lord. John, in his amazement, said, I have seen His glory. Two of my favorites. The two guys on the road to Emmaus. They're walking along the road. They are downtrodden because Jesus Christ has just died upon the cross and they just buried Him. And they're wondering what hope is there for them. They were hoping that it was He who was going to set them free. And then out of nowhere, coming walking alongside of Him. Wouldn't you want to have been there? Here comes Jesus walking with them and He did not allow them to recognize Him. And then he started to tell them about himself. He said, oh, you guys of little faith, didn't you know that he had to suffer and die? And then he started to explain himself to them throughout the Old Testament, how he had to live, how he had to die, how he had to raise himself from the dead. They were going to stop for the evening, and and Jesus Christ pretended like he was going to keep on going. They begged him, please stay with us, please, please, please stay with us, please stay with us, tell us more. And he sat down with them and they had a bite to eat and he opened up their eyes and they, what? They saw him. They saw him for who he truly was. And listened to their words. They said, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked to us on the way? Peter, I guess, said it best when he said, we were eyewitnesses of His majesty. We saw 
Him, we were eyewitnesses of this majesty of this one called Jesus Christ. They all saw Jesus, this God-man who spoke with such tremendous authority and yet loved with such childlike humility. They saw the one who claimed to be older than time itself, but also greater than death itself. Listen to this. They saw the one who takes away the pageantry of religion. The pageantry of religion. You know right away that's not my words. I'm not that good with words. And leaves us purely with the relationship with Him if we'll only see Him for who He is. In one moment in time, Christmas morning, the baby, Jesus Christ, came to earth so that you and I, of all things, would have the ability to see Him for who He is. To see God. Think about Him for a moment. Think about this baby that was born in a manger. Think about His story, His life. It was extraordinary. He called Himself God. And yet He allowed Roman soldiers to drive spikes into His wrists and feet. He demanded purity amongst mankind, and yet he stood for the rights of a repented whore and gave her everlasting life. Some people say he's a great teacher. His, his, yes, he's a great teacher, but his claims are far too outrageous to limit him into the company of an Aristotle or a Socrates or some great thinkers. No, no. He was more than just a great teacher. He was God. Think with me. Slow down your thoughts for a moment. Has it been a while since you've really seen Him? I mean, seen Him with your heart. Think, have your prayers become kind of stale? If yes, then probably... It has been too long since you have really taken a good, hard look at Him through His most glorious Word. Has your faith become kind of trembling in these difficult times? If yes, then perhaps your vision of Him has become blurred. If you can't find the power to face your problems, your trials, perhaps it's time to see Him again. Or for the very first time to look into his eyes. But I want to give you a warning. I will give you fair warning. Something will often happen when a person has really witnessed the majesty, the very glory of, of Jesus Christ and has finally truly seen him. They become addicted. One glimpse of the baby who proclaimed to be the King and God Almighty one glimpse and you become consumed with a desire to see more of Him and to do more for Him. Listen, truly, truly, if you look and see Him, then just warming a seat in church from one week to another week no longer becomes an option. Like those of us who really have fallen in love with Him, we can't wait to get back to church. Someone came up to me last night and said, you know, 
I had to go away for a couple of weeks. And he said, I missed this place so much. See, to really see him, no longer will useless, dry, religion, seeker-friendly messages that don't proclaim his words be enough. You'll want to hear every single word that he utters to you. Everything. As we taught last week, the good as well as the bad, the curse as well as the blessing. You see, once you and I have seen his face, I mean truly seen his face, we will long to see it over and over and over and over again. We'll never, ever get enough until that glorious day that we stand before Him in heaven itself and take a look at Him. Wow. My prayer for you and me this Christmas season is this. Like Thomas, we too will cry out, I've seen Him. In the hustle and the bustle of this time, I've seen him and you'll say my Lord and my God Father may we have a very wonderful Christmas each person here may we be filled with the blessings that come through knowing you and and seeing you I mean Father seeing you in all of your glory through your Son, the baby who was born in the manger. May we not get so enthralled with the gifts and the the meals and the preparation and all the things that have to be done so that everything seems to fit. And let us pause long enough to take a wonderful, wonderful look into the very essence of who your Son is. And see Him, see Him in all of His majesty. See Him in all of His glory. See Him, Father. So that we will know. We will know Him. We will hear His voice. Father, I pray Your blessings upon each of us. That we'll have a very wonderful and Merry Christmas, please. And that we will be a blessing to our families and our friends and our loved ones. And Father, I pray your blessings upon each person here. I love them so much. I wish, Father, through you to them a merry, merry Christmas. In Jesus' precious name. Have I ever told you how much I love you? <laughs> I love you with all my heart. Merry Christmas.